0: taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. Hey as you're being seated. It feels great outside today. I don't know if it feels great at every campus, but literally, I was standing outside saying hi to people, and they said, "What are you doing? Working on your tan?" I said, "No, I'm imagining that I'm on the beach, and the the breeze is blowing." Oh, it just feels amazing outside. And so the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made, we should rejoice and be glad in it. Some days are easier uh, to be excited about, and so it just feels good outside, and it is always good to be in church with you. Hey, I want to make an announcement. I don't make a lot of announcements before I speak, but next Sunday is a special Sunday. It's the exact halfway mark of 2019, uh, July 7th. And so many of you uh, will be traveling or be out of town, and so we have historically always done something different on that day. And so next Sunday, we have one service. Everybody say One service starts at 10 o'clock. If you come at 1030, you're going to miss worship. You're going to walk in right in the middle of my sermon. That's rude. And so you don't want to do that. If you come at 9 o'clock, uh, you're going to be here really early, uh, and that's fine. We'll find something for you guys to do, but we're going to have one service at 10 o'clock. And then in the afternoon, uh, our church has rented out uh, some pavilions and some fields at a park in Limerick, Pennsylvania. If you're new to the area, uh, that, that, just Google it. It's a, a park called Mandarick Park. It has one of the coolest uh, playgrounds that you could ever be on for kids and adults. If you're, if you're like that, you want to play on the playground, that's fine. And so as long as you have kids, if you're a grown man trying to play on the playground without kids that's weird. And so uh, there's a playground there. We have pavilions we've rented out. And so we're telling you it's a bring your own food day. And so uh, we're not going to have grills or anything like that. You can just bring picnic lunches. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to, but those pavilions will be there to, to eat there. I'm sure you can put a blanket out somewhere and sit there with your family. Uh, start at three. We've also rented uh, softball fields, kickball field, uh, courts for volley, volleyball, basketball. We're going to have a good time. Here's the cool thing. If you come next week, whether you're going to the, the, the picnic or not, we called it family reunion and so there's people at all uh, different buildings right now doing the exact same thing we're doing here physically and so we're all going to get together and we thought if we were going to have a family reunion we should all wear the same shirt am i right like we should have the same shirt and so we bought 800 of the exact same shirts let me show you this shirt looks just like this this what's cool about this is it's 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 Fourth of July, and this is red, white, and blue, right? And so this is a limited edition America Journey shirt. Usually they're black and white. We figured it's probably going to be thousand degrees out next week, and so let's make it blue. It's really light. We have sizes for kids and adults, and so we have small, medium, large, extra large for kids. We have small, medium, large, extra large, double X for those bodybuilders in the church. And so uh, we have shirts. You have to get here to get one, though. If you don't come to church and you you show up at the picnic, there's not going to be there. We are going only going to give them away. Uh, at at the service at ten o'clock. Everybody, tell me one t- one more time. What time service starts? 10 o'clock. ten o'clock, and then followed by family reunion, and then we're jumping into July. And so, hey, if you've never been here before, uh, today we are continuing. We have one more week of this sermon series. We called. Jesus bars. Uh, the, the term bars is a, is a term, uh, a musical term, but it's also a term that people use for good raps or rhymes. And so you say, hey, that's, that's bars. And so somebody in our church coined the phrase Jesus bars. And I thought, hey, if we're going to talk about music and, and raps and good lyrics, we should do a study of the book of Psalms. So if you've never been in church before, Psalms is at about the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament. And so there's 66 books in the Bible. It's at about the middle. And what it is, it's not one continuous story. It's a bunch of songs that were written by people in different life circumstances. So we've talked about waiting on the Lord. We've talked about walking through failures. Uh, we talked about worshiping while you, while you worry. And, and today, uh, I want to preach on the, 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 the chapter Psalms uh, 145. You ever, you ever hear the old man, old man uh, statement, you, you don't know what you don't know? Anybody have a dad that says that? uh we i was taught that a few years ago by an older man than me and so his name was bob and bob was 41 at that point and so i was like it must be an old man thing now that i'm 40 and i feel like no he wasn't old at all or 40 at that point but he used to say you don't know what you don't know i googled it this week i guess donald rumsfeld is the one who coined that phrase back during the time there were 9 11 when we were hunting terrorists and they were asking a bunch of questions and he said we would know what we know and we don't know what we don't know we're going to learn on the fly I, I, I put on my, on my title of my message, uh, Do You Know? Because here's the thing about it, a lot of us uh, have what I would call a head knowledge of, of, of God, the being of God, but we don't really understand and fully comprehend with, with our hearts. And so the point of my message today, it's really a foundational message. Every other aspect of your relationship with God has to be built on the understanding of His character, and that's what this, this psalm is all about. And what's cool about Psalms 145, uh, David, we've, we've kind of gone over a couple of his different songs because he wrote uh, a bunch of this book. This is his last known authored song, so it's almost as if uh, he's saying, Hey, this is the last song. Like this, if there was a CD, this would be you know, song number 16. This would be the one I want them to play on the radio, like this would be the hit. This is the last song that I'm gonna write. And, and I want you to notice what he writes about in, in this message it's like, At the end of my life. Here's what I want you to know. Through all of my, my ups and downs, through my shortcomings, through my failures, if you were here a few weeks ago, you remember Psalms 51 is about David having an affair on, 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 with, with, a, with a married woman and then having his best friend killed and trying to cover it up, and how you kind of get over that and move past that, that's Psalms 51. So if you are a, a person who has messed up and dropped the ball and failed in any way, and you feel like God can't do anything with you, your failures are not final in the, in the, in the, in the, in the grace and in the mercy of God of God. He can still do something significant uh, with your life, even if you've, you've been to a situation like that, or you are currently in a situation like that. And so he's been through all, all of these things. He's been through the ups and downs. And here's what he writes, Psalms 145. We're going to start in verse number one. And we're just going to read down to verse number eight, because that's the verse that I want you to remember today as we kind of move through this, 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 this sermon. The Bible says, I will exalt you, my God, my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom, he says. One generation commends your words to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully, and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Now, I want you to remember verse number eight. It's powerful. Here's what he writes about the character of God. And you should remember this. If you are in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you have faith in him. And you're trying to figure out how he feels about you through any of life circumstances, through ups and downs. Watch what he says in verse number eight. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and, and rich in love. My, 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 last, some of my last words that I'm going to write in my song, if I'm going to write some lyrics, and that's, that's Jesus bars right there, by the way. The Lord is, the Lord is what? The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Here's what I know about Him because of my life, because of Bathsheba, because of Uriah, because of Absalom, because of my moral failures, because of the problems I had with my dad growing up. Here's what I know over all of it. No matter how many times I've let you down, no matter how many times I've walked away from you, no matter how many times I've failed you, here's what I want you to know about the heart of God. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Enrich rich in love. Now, there's this interesting thing about the story of David. If you ever studied his, his story, when I was a kid, uh, they used to tell us uh, that God loved David because David was a man after God's own heart. You ever, you ever hear that? And when I, was in, when I was a kid, I was like, okay, well, that, that makes sense. He's a man after God's heart. He must have been perfect. And then I got older and I was like, what, what is he talking? Like this dude is messed up. Like if, if you put me with David in a line, like I, I'm looking pretty good. I have friends. I've never murdered them. Never got their wife pregnant. Try to hide it. Marry her, right? Cover it up. Like, I, I'm looking pretty good. I stole from Dorney Park when I was 13. Might have said a couple Cuss words last week, right? Might have, might have dealt with a few things, but if you put me, and I used to read that and think to myself, how can David be a man after God's own heart. And so I started to understand this, this passage where he says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. And what, he, what, what the Bible is trying to say is, is, is God, the heart of God is grace, and the heart of God is kindness, and the heart of God is forgiveness, and, and, and the heart of God is rich in love. And David was going to need a lot of that. He was going to fully comprehend and understand that he was a king, but he was a flawed king. He was a messed up king. He was a king that failed. And even in the midst of all those things, he has the audacity to write that here's what I know about God, that he is rich in kindness, that he is slow to anger, that he is compassionate, and he is gracious. And so here's what I want to ask you. When you think of God, what do you think of? When you think of God in your life currently, in your context, or In the scope of all of your failures, when you fall down, when you you mess up, when you let him down, what do you think of God? Because if you asked a majority of people, these are not the words that come to their mind. Like right now, you would probably say that because I just told you to say that. But when they asked a group of people, church people and non-church people, none of them said that really. Like most of them said stuff like like if I was to explain my relationship with God and 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 in the context of who I am like I I tend to look at God as what I would call uh, authoritarian and critical. Like he's 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 kind of he's kind of critical, he's kind of mean. He's kind of there to point out my flaws. He's there to kick me when I when I'm down and then some another group of people said that for, for me like when I think of God I think of of a passive passive being that's that's kind of there. He's kind of weak and, 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 and not that powerful. And, then, and he doesn't really answer my prayer request. He doesn't give me what I want him to give me. And so he's kind of weak. Some people say that he is distant. Like they don't. Like if you wrote this, you would say the Lord is, is, is critical and distant and, and far off, not, not close, not slow to anger, not rich in, in, in mercy. And here's why that so many of us respond like that. Because studies suggest that the way that we respond to God and think about God is directly correlated with, with our connection to our earthly father. But that's for most of us. For most of us, uh, the way that we think about God as a, as, a, as a father is directly connected to the relationship that we've had with our father. And he, here's what the problem is. They did a study one time, and they said that nine out of ten grown adults that if you ask them, did you have, is your relationship where you wanted to be with your father? Did you, did you, did you get what you need? Did you get what you hope for? Do you continue to get what you need? Nine out of 10 of them say no. Like studies suggest that one out of 10 grown adults in America say, I have a fulfilling, life-giving, intimate, close relationship with my father. Like, like, and so what happens is because of that, because we live in a culture, you know, there used to be a time when you would say, hey, where does your dad work? Now, what do you do when you talk to a kid? Does your dad live with you still? Like, literally, that's if I ever, like, I'm a pastor, people walk in, I meet all walk, kids' wall walks of life, friends come over from, from my, my kids' school. It's, it's, like, it's like you don't even assume, hey, your dad lives there. Where does your dad work? You say, hey, is your dad still in the picture? And what happens is, is we, we struggle in America with the understanding of this, this kind God, this loving God. And the reason is, is because we have a difficult time understanding that in the scope of our, of our earthly father. And our earthly father oftentimes forms our opinion of, of, our, heaven, of our heavenly father. In fact, I did, I did some research this week, and I just typed in like fatherlessness, like, like, like feelings and how people deal with it. And I just found a couple kind of thoughts on it. And this one person said, I don't know if they're a guy or a girl. They said, my father left when I was two, and I haven't seen him since. So we're going to talk about God the Father, interested God, slow, slow to anger, rich in mercy. That's what he is. I have a hard time understanding that because my father hasn't been there since I was two. I don't know what it is to have a father. He says, I see people who have one, and I wish I had mine. I've always wanted to feel the love of a father. And sometimes my days are bad, and I cry, and I'm lonely, and I'm, and I, and I'm distraught. And I wish he was there for me to talk to, to share my troubles and my fears and my, my dreams, but I don't know what it's like to have, to have a father. I wonder if you understand that. Another, another person said, uh, growing up, I felt unwanted by my father. My, my mother died giving birth to me, so maybe he saw me as the cause of her death. I, I, don't, I don't know. I never, never carried on a meaningful conversation with my dad in my, in my life. In fact, the only time I remember my dad giving me physical contact was for about 30 seconds when I was nine years old as he put his arm around me at my stepmother's funeral. Besides that, the only other physical touch that I ever got from my dad were as a result of the beatings I received when I disobeyed or bothered him. I had no aspirations of being wanted by my father. I just didn't want him to hate me. And you see, what happens is because of these concepts, these understandings, these these foundations, we look at God, who the Bible calls a father, and we think to ourselves, he doesn't want anything to to do with us. And here's the thing about it. If you struggle with that, the the truth is, if you do a little digging, David probably did too. Maybe you've never heard of his story, but when, when, when the prophet Samuel first comes to David, his house, his father's name was Jesse. If you read the story in the Bible, uh, one of the sons was going to be the next king. God didn't tell Samuel which one. So Samuel began with the oldest one, just assuming the strongest, the tallest, you know, the best looking, the oldest. This is going to be the, the king. He's responsible for it. And so Samuel goes down the line. But if you read the story and study it, the Bible says when Samuel gets to Jesse's house, that he asks him to bring his sons out. So he brings these sons out one at a time. And even though the the prophet asked him to bring his sons forward, uh, Jesse doesn't get David because he assumes as the father that David is not good enough to be king because David is the youngest and David is the shepherd. And so he goes through the line and eventually they call David in because none of those men was going to be king and they anoint David as the future king. But can you imagine if you step away from that how distraught that David must have been? My, my, My dad, who has all these other sons is assuming that all of them would be better kings than me. And so when he begins to talk about the love of a father, the compassion of a father, uh, the grace of a father, you have to understand that if you have a daddy wound, if it's hard for you to understand God as the father, that David is right there with you. So he has worked his way past his relationship with his earthly father, and he has a foundational relationship with the heavenly father. And here's the thing, whether you have the best dad or the worst dad, whether you have a dad that wasn't there or not there, you still have a flawed dad until you have an experience with your heavenly father. There's no perfect dads. There's no dad that can make you secure without without the help of Christ. There's no dad that can fulfill everything that you need to be fulfilled, except for the Heavenly Father. This is why it's so crucial in Scripture and so foundational to understand the scope of this love that the Bible says this Heavenly Father has for you. There's a story in in the the New Testament where where they asked Jesus, How should I pray? And we've all said the Lord's Prayer from time to time. If you've been in a funeral or you went to Catholic school or you grew up in a house that had some form of, of, of you know, a biblical literacy, at some point all of us have either said or heard or read or had a grandparent say the Lord's Prayer. But it, it is so foundational to the understanding of relationship that God has with us because up to this point, when you communicated with the God, you communicated with the angry God. You did things to make him love you. You sacrificed even the God of Judaism. It was a it was a debt and debtor relationship. And so when Jesus says, "Hey, this is how I want you to communicate. This is how I want you to pray. This is the type of relationship you can have with your Creator," it would have literally changed the course of history in these people's lives. And so I want you to read it with me, and then I want to kind of build from here. But the Bible says in Matthew six, "This is how you should pray." You should write this prayer down because it's, it's amazing. He it says, "Our Father in heaven, this is how I want you to talk to your Creator." Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the, from the evil one. And so when he, when he tells them, this is how I want you to talk, this changes their life. When one one pa- passage of scripture says that God, uh, Jesus says you can refer to God as Abba Father, not just, not just Father, but Daddy Father. Another passage in Scripture says that, that we are adopted into the family of God. I always loved the understanding of that because here's the thing I'm a parent. I didn't get an option on my three kids, right? They just were given to me. So I had to take them, right? Like I, I just, they're mine. And so if I'm going to be a dad, this is your option. You get one, you know, these three kids. When you adopt somebody, you pick them. Did you see the difference? What he's saying is, you are adopted into my family. In other words, I pick you. I want to have a relationship with you. You You are my child. You are my son and my daughter. You're adopted, and you get to call him Abba Father, that he wants to be a father in your life. So let me just give you three foundational things. If you get this, everything else will make sense. If you don't get this everything else will fall apart. If, if you don't see God as a father, everything else in your life, when he tells you to do something, you're going to think of, of an of earthly father. You're going to think he's trying to boss you around. You're going to think he's trying to give you a curfew, and you're going to disobey, and you are never going to walk into the fullness of God. But when you see God as a Abba Father, you'll realize quickly that he has your best in mind, that he has your best out in front of you, and it is easy to obey him because you trust him, because you know how much he loves you. And so this is really important to get. Let me just give you a couple things that you experience God as a father. Number one is this is you'll experience God as a father when we understand that his love is a gift, not a reward. God's love for you. This is this one is is really important. God's love for you is is a gift. It's not a reward. You know, I know that. Scripture. Watch, watch what the Bible says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. And this is a really important verse. If you're, if you're a person who likes to meditate on Scripture and build your life on Scripture, with, if you're a follower of Christ, you should be. This one's important. The Bible says, it is by grace you have been saved. What's grace? Unmerited favor. Something you didn't work for. It's by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is, everybody say, what does it say? It is a what? Say it like you mean it, man. It's a gift. I like that. It is a, it is a gift of God. Watch what it says in verse number 9. This one's good, if, especially if you're Catholic or you're, you're Muslim or you're some other religion like that where, where you're taught to work. What does it say? Not by what? Not by... Not by the scripture you memorize, not by the class that you go to, not by the confirmation, not by the tombstone that you've bought, not by your memorization of the creed, not by your church attendance, not by how much you tip God. It's not by works, watch what it says, so that no one can come into this place and have a boastful attitude. Watch what he says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now here's what I want you to understand. There is a difference between a reward and a gift. As as a parent, you know this, right? You ever potty train your kids? How did you motivate them to to stop going in their their diaper? Because let's, let's be honest, it's pretty convenient. You don't have to stop playing, right? If you're in bed at night, as you get older, you don't have to get up four times a night. And go to bed. You just you just go. So how do you motivate a kid who you have taught for, for the last two and a half, three, or some of you six years, right? At this point, like how how do you do that in our world? Like how do you tell them, teach them, it is better to not go in in a diaper than it is to go in the diaper? Oftentimes, in my house, as we taught them, we would reward them. So you, you go, you, you pee on the Cheerio. We tried everything, the Cheerios, the Fruit Loops. You go there, you go in your little potty in the middle of the living room. You do that, you know, we'll get you ice cream. When you do this, this will happen. And so there was, a, there was a cause and effect. You do this, you get this. There's a reward. There's also moments in your parenting that you give them a gift. You ever buy your kid a toy just to buy them a toy? And literally, literally, like, like two minutes later after you, you buy them the toy, they don't even care about it? Every minute you're like, you're like, you're at the store and, and it is almost like it, they are communicating with you through their interaction with you that if you buy this for me, you will complete my life. <laughs> my youngest loves, loves watches. And so we have been, I'm not I'm probably through 25 watches this last year. And we don't spend a lot of money. We get little Batman and Superman watches. And I was in Oklahoma just a few weeks ago and we were in Walmart and he said, dad, I need a new, new watch. Where's your watch go? I don't know we went to the watch section, and, and he had a couple bucks, and I, I gave him a couple bucks. And for 10 bucks, we found this, this cool black Spider-Man watch, and, and, a, and a band fit him. I put an extra hole in it. We took it home. He wore it for the last three days. Guess what I stepped on in the garage today on the way to church? A Spider-Man. I picked it up. I said, this is yours? But here's the thing about it. It was a gift. He, he didn't earn it. He, I, I gave it to him. See, in one aspect, you, you're getting rewarded because of your, your, your reaction and your, your response. And in another aspect, I'm just your dad, and I like to buy you things. I just like to give you, this is a gift, and, I, and you might not take care of it, and you might let it in the garage, and you might break it, and, but, but at the end of the day, it's still just, it, it's a gift from a father to a son, and you need to understand the difference. See, a lot of you think of God as a rewarder, and he is a rewarder, but not with his love. He doesn't look at you and go, hey, I want you to know I love you if you do this, and I love you if you go here, and I love you if you talk like this, and I love you if you dress a certain way, and I love you if you memorize scripture. That, that's not a gift. That's, that's a reward, right? A, a, a gift is I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you no matter where you've been. I, I'm going to give you my, my, my love no matter how bad you've been this week, no matter how many times you've let me down. You see, one person told me one time, and I loved it. He said, you need to make sure as a pastor that you convey this truth. And the truth is, there is nothing that you do in this earth to make God love you more, and there is nothing you do to make God love you less. I want want to to make sure you, I'll stay right here till you get that, and then I'll drop the microphone and walk away. (laughs) There there is nothing that you do on this earth that makes God love you you more, and there is nothing you do that makes God love you less. So, So, just to put it into context some of you you don't feel like that because when you come to church and your week has been either good or bad it, it, it really it really it really kind of holds you back if you had a bad week you come in here and man it's hard for you to worship and it's hard for you to sing and it's even hard for you to be here because you are under the assumption that if God still wants me around that 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 he's probably pretty mad at me and then some of you come in here and it's hard for you to worship because you're here to boast you're like I killed it this week I had a chance to beat the horn at that person, cut that lady off at the intersection. I didn't even hit her. I had a chance to yell at my wife and my kids this morning. I kept it down, and so I'm here today. You know what? I'm not even going to raise my hands because the truth is they should sing about me today. And it kind of goes like this. Some weeks we come in, we're like, I don't know what to do. Other weeks we come in, we're kind of boastful. And you need to understand the truth is, is God is love, and God will always love you. God loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. You need to choose his love and return through his son, Jesus Christ. But his love is not contingent upon you. It is a gift, not a reward. In fact, one thing I like to do oftentimes so I can understand God's love is there's a chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. If you're a Bible person, you've read it. It's called the love chapter. If you've been to a wedding at any point in your life, chances are if it was a pastor, he probably read the love chapter. Uh, But the truth is the Bible says in John that, that the way we understand love is through God, that God is love. And so when people say, like, love is love, no, 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 that, that's not, that's, 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 that's dumb, right? Like, God is love. And so you understand love through understanding God. And so what I like to do oftentimes so that I remember that this, this is a gift and not a reward is I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but I take out the name love and I put in, I put in the word God. And then I read it to myself to remember the character and the nature of God because God is love. And so I want to read it to you without the word love and putting the word God in because God is love. But watch what it says about God then. If you read it like that in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, watch it. God is is patient. God, he's kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is, I like this one, God's not easily angered. God keeps no records of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. And here's the cool thing about when you understand this type of love from God. His unconditional love builds in a child confidence. So if you're the child, when you begin to understand God's unconditional love for you, it will establish in you confidence to do and be who God has called to be. Let me give you an example and just in practical and parenting. If you want to have an insecure kid, a kid that won't try anything, a kid that won't take chances, parent them without unconditional love. So it goes like this. When they make you mad, when they let you down, when they don't do as good as they're supposed to do in the sport, when they don't get the A's on the, on the test, when they underperform, you pull your love away from them. So for instance, when they don't do what they're supposed to do during the day, if you have little kids and they don't pick up that and they put handprints all over the walls and, and they don't go in the toilet, they go all around it after you just cleaned it and all those things and it's time to go to bed. You're like, I'm not even saying good night to them. I'm going to pull my love away from them. You create insecure kids as they get older and you continue to pull that away. And it's kind of a conditional, conditional love when it's time to try out for sports and it's time to you know, step outside of themselves. They won't do it because they'll be afraid that if they mess up, you'll pull the love away. And this is what happens in in, in scripture. We're we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to let God God down because we think we're holding him up. And so we don't step out and try. When he calls us to big, you know, bet the farm type of decisions. We go, we don't know because we don't want to mess up. When you're pastor in a church and he gives you, you don't want to do anything because you're gonna mess up. And when you understand the unconditional love of God, all of a sudden you get really confident. I can't let him down. Same thing with kids. When your kids know you love them no matter what, they'll try anything, they don't mind failing. They don't mind trying a new sport and messing up. They they don't mind when they don't succeed because they know ultimately you're still going to look at them. You ever been there with your kid, by the way, when you're like, hey, it's time to go to bed. I still love you, though. Like, this has not been your best day. But when you wake up tomorrow, I'm still going to be your dad. Like, this is the type of love that God has for us. This hasn't been your, let's let's be honest. Not everybody in this room, you met the the standard this week. Some of you dropped the ball. You slept with somebody you shouldn't have slept with. You looked at something you shouldn't have looked with. You smoked against something that you've been trying to stop smoking. You've dealt with anger. You said, hey, this is the last week I'm going to be not bitter. I'm going to be bitter, and I'm going to be angry, and I'm going to be resentful. This is the last time I'm going to curse ever. Come on now. And you drop the ball literally minutes afterwards. But when you understand the unconditional love of God, it builds confidence in you to continue to pursue and grow into the person God has called you to be. It is a gift. It's not a reward. Let me give you just two more quickly. Number, number two, we experience God as Father when we understand. You need to understand this. Ready? He took joy in creating you. Everybody just look, 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 look at me real fast. And I'm not trying to like scold you like a kid. But I want, you to, I want you to understand something because some of you in this place, you legitimately feel like you're a mistake. You, you just do. You, you feel like, the, like, the, like the, the parents with the kids. I've always wondered this. I have three kids. All of them are by choice. Like, I, I, we made them together, me and my wife. And so, and I took joy in that, right? Uh, when I had them, I could tell them, we, we planned on this. Like, this was amazing. Like, I don't, didn't tell them the details of it, but we wanted you. But then there's, there's times where, where you have babies and then, like, and then like years later, you accidentally have a baby. And then the baby's off to the side, but they get older to the point where they can hear you. And and you're telling their story like my first one I could be like yeah we made them here and we, we had you here and I remember I remember the story of your birth and I remember how I I got a doula and a midwife and all these things and, and I just kind of stayed out of the way and in the second one I remember playing Snake on my phone because your your mom got a got an epidural and she was just chilling and so I was like I'm gonna play Snake and so I played Snake and Harrison I remember when you came out and they put you on the table and you screamed like a bat out of hell on that table for 45 minutes and in my spirit, I was thinking, maybe we should have stopped at two, but we had three, I remember, all, but I wanted all of them, but could you imagine if I had a fourth now, I'm 40 almost, but it was like an accident fourth, and they got to like 11 years old, and I'm like, here's Harrison, and here's Lincoln, and here's Carter, you know, and, 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 and here, here's Reagan, continue the things, or Obama, or, or Trump, or you know, George, but whatever, right, and my fourth child, they were an accident. I got fixed and they act like doctor failed me, right? And like all these bad things happened, and, and we were out of nursery school and we were, go, we, were, we were scot-free with that bill and then all of a sudden I was back in for six years and, and so-and-so cost me money and I looked at him and I I love you. Like how do you think that that, that, that child would feel? It's a mistake. And, and I think truthfully like, like some of you don't understand the joy that God took in making you. You don't fully understand and he formed you in your mother's womb. Now one of the concepts of scripture in Psalms 139, and I wish I had time to, to read this whole passage to you, but the concept was that I'm not a mistake. You should read the whole chapter sometime. When you're feeling like a mistake and you're feeling like you have no value and you're feeling like you shouldn't be on this earth and you're feeling like everybody else is passing you by and you're feeling like everybody else's life is so much easier than yours and doors are open and everything's closed to you and, and God is failing you, go to Psalms 139 and read it. Because Psalms 139 is a reminder that your God made you. Watch what the Bible says in Psalms one thirty nine thirteen. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before your parents were naming you, before they were doing the little ceremony where they were putting smoke in the air and figuring out what sex you were, before they even knew God was making you. God was thinking about you before they decorated your room and picked out your name and, you know, gave you a favorite color and began to cut your hair and put you in weird poses that nobody wants to see. Before any of that happened, before they give you trophies for not doing anything but participate, before any of that happens, this God, you were his trophy. As God was forming you in your mother's. This is a powerful understanding. Watch what it says. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully wonderful made. Your works are powerful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. Uh, I was, when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All my, the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Years ago, I read this book. It was called Crazy Love by this pastor in California named Francis Chan. And uh, it, it, it impacted my life. It was probably 10 years ago uh, that we preached a whole sermon series on it. And it talked about different things, how to know you're lukewarm, things like that. But the concept was understanding the, this, this love that God has for you. This is just, that He took joy in making you. And one of the stories Francis tells in there, he says he's a pastor. And so he, you know, he knows about God, but he's learning about the, the, the real love of God. And he says at some point he feels called to go do this like this retreat with just God. Right? You ever try to do that where you're just going to be alone with, with God? And so... As he's leaving one of his friends prays this prayer for him and in his prayer typically when we pray we're asking god for things or whatever but in the prayer uh the man prays this and i i I love that he said he said god i know you wanted to spend this time with francis and when he prayed it francis was like francis he was like you shouldn't pray that like i want to spend time with god but i don't like that to me that feels a little sacrilegious that feels a little pompous That God, the creator of the billions of people on this earth, that he specifically right now wants to spend time with me, but then he began to study scripture, and it is a true fact. That of all the billions of people on this earth, that God's eyes are on you. In fact, the Bible says that, that he knows you so well that he knows the hairs on your head, he knows the beats in your chest. And his eyes are fixed on you to the point where, where he, he even knows, like the Bible says in, in the book of Matthew, that he is a type of God that knows so much that he even knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. And so, like a sparrow at that point was the cheapest bird you could get to make a sacrifice. If you wanted to eat him, you had to buy multiple ones. I mean, they, they, were, they were the pigeons of, of Jerusalem. He says, not one of those falls to the ground and dies without me knowing it. And if that's the case with them... Don't you ever question if my eyes are, are upon you. You need to understand that God took joy, that he wants to spend time just with, with you. And, and no, number three, the last one, is we experience God as Father. Not only when we understand he takes joy in us, not only when we understand that he, his love is a, is a gift, not a reward, uh, but when we understand that he is in, aggressively involved in our lives. He, he is aggressively involved in, in our lives. Psalms 121, read this with me. This this is what it says. He says, he he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you and will not slumber. It means sleep, by the way. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I love this verse. It says, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and now and forevermore he is aggressively intimately involved in every aspect of your life he never sleeps he never takes his eyes off you you know one of one of the greatest goals of an of earthly father i believe the greatest gifts you can give your your kids is for them not to worry about about needs once you know sometimes you got to let them want something make them earn it but needs are different so like in, in my house, there's times where like when you go to school, you have to buy like special peanut butter and you have to get like special supplies. And, and like when they just go to the cupboard, I often think, do you even think about how we like when we keep track of this and the peanut butter so that you can sit at the table with your friends that has a peanut allergy and we get this and like then we run back out to Giant sometimes at late at night after you're in bed to make sure that you can have the seat and the sandwich that you need for the next day. Do you ever even think about that? And the question and the answer is absolutely not. They just expect it to be there. Why? Because one of our greatest goals as, as, as earthly parents is to meet the needs of our kids, even the little ones. They don't, they don't go to bed wondering if they're, if they're, they're going to have clean clothes the next day or um, they're going to have a breakfast to eat or if at nighttime if they're going to have electricity in the morning or, you know, wh- whatever needs that they have. It's to it's the Father's joy to make sure that they don't even think about that. It's just part of life. And I think that, that that's, a, that's a good concept of who God is. See, what, I, what I found in my life is, is when I begin to understand and embrace this God that loves me more than I can imagine, this God that took joy in creating me, his love is a gift, not a reward, then I begin to embrace the fact that he is, he is increasingly involved in my life. And here's the thing about it. When you understand how involved he is in your life, stress tends to fade away. You tend to realize that he's a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. He opens up the right doors. He closes the wrong doors. He says yes when it's his best. He says no when his best is still yet to come. He gets you to places you could not be otherwise. Like he does things in your life. He figures out details that you could never figure out on your own. And it's because he is so intri- intricately, Interwebbed in every detail in every aspect of your life and I have found this to be true I have found him to be my provider and my protector over and over and over again he 's my provider he makes a way where there seems no, way, no seems to be no way in Philippians it says that I believe that God can meet all of my needs according to his riches and his glory and he makes a way he opens up things he gives me things that i don 't even have to worry about because God ultimately is my protector and I have watched him over and over and over again be my or my provider and my protector. I've watched him be my fortress, the Bible says. I- I've watched him, the Bible calls him a shield. I've watched him protect me from things that I didn't even know were coming. I've watched him be my rock when it feels like everything else is, is shaking. You ever been there? I just take a deep breath and I say, I'm just gonna stay here, God. I'm just gonna put my feet on, on, on your rock and I've watched him provide and protect. And as I've watched these things happen, I have realized, man, he is ridiculously involved in every aspect of of my life and it takes stress away and it takes fear away and when I begin to understand that he took joy in making me it builds something inside of me where I know I'm not a nuisance to God and when I mess up and when I fall down and when I continue to have fears and when God tells me clearly something to do and I say what and I have questions and I'm afraid and I feel like I missed a moment my patient God says hey it's still time you can still do it because he took joy in creating me. He has a long-suffering love for me. I want to understand how much he loves me. He builds this confidence inside of me to pursue and accomplish the things that God has called me to accomplish. And it happens when you embrace God the, the Father. God the Father. I don't know what type of father you've had on this earth, but there's a, there's a father that will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a father who, who loves you more than you can imagine. There, there's a father who takes joy watching you and being with you there's a father who wants to be involved in every area of your life there's a father that loves you more than you can imagine would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this house and that that theme i just feel like somebody needs to hear it today i mean there's a lot of people that have had difficult relationships with parents especially fathers and so this is a hard message to comprehend but I feel like very specifically there's some people there's people that God put you here today like like this moment in history because you have struggled with these concepts you've wondered if God loves you because of things you've been through you've wondered if God was with you because it felt like you were all alone and I can tell you that this is what David was trying to get us to understand. I've been through it all. I've been all alone in a cave where I've wondered where God was. I've laid, I've laid awake at nighttime and struggled with the depth of my sin and my shame. I've watched my family being be be shambles and ruined at points, and man, it's been overwhelming even to be the king at some point and handle all these things. I've messed up. I've fallen short here's what I want you to know though: the Lord is gracious the Lord is compassionate God has been slow to anger with me and he is rich in love he's a father that has completed me he's a father that I'm confident in he's a father that has never left me nor turned his back on me he gives me this gift of his love I can I know that he took joy in creating me and I know he's involved I've watched his hand in every aspect of my life and here's the thing that God is here right now the Bible says of God's of of his presence his power says that God is the same yesterday today and forever so here's the thing the need of humans never change whether you were raised in ancient israel or you live in modern day social media internet driven crazy america whether you have all these amenities or you live in a cave the need never changes the questions the deep questions that reside in each one of us am i lovable am i a mistake do i have a reason to be on this earth can I be forgiven? Is there good in me? Can I do anything worthwhile? And the same answers that David received to those questions thousands of years ago, God wants to give you today. You're not a mistake. I love you more than you can imagine. My plan for you is bigger than you can comprehend. So we say, how do I know God loves me? The Bible says this, while you were a sinner, which is what you are right now, we are sinners that need a Savior, all of us. And while you were a sinner, the Bible says that Christ, God's son, died for you on a cross 2,000 years ago. That God gave up his son, John three sixteen. for God so loved, they so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, that's you and me, no matter where you've been, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And here's the thing about it. He has given you a gift, the gift of his love, the gift of his son. But here's the thing about a gift, you have to receive it you have to open it up you have to take it so that God is here right now and he has reached out his hands he has spoken to you through the word he has spoken to you through the worship hopefully he has spoken to you through those that served you today because they wanted to treat you the way that God feels about you and hopefully that message is loud and clear you're not an accident God still has a good plan for you he wants to adopt you he wants to choose you as a son or daughter into his family right now he wants to give you a love that will never leave you and never forsake you it will build a spiritual confidence inside of you to accomplish the great things that God has called you it will build a trust inside of you to obey the things that God has called you to obey and your life will never be the same again but the first step the first step is to receive that gift so here's what we do all over our church nobody's looking around there's somebody standing in the front of each Campus so somebody's in Montgomeryville and Limerick and, and Royersford and, and Plymouth meeting somebody's even online right now friends for those of us who are joining us online and I believe there's multiple people in church today that you struggle with a thought and the Bible is clear that the battle of everything in your life it resides in your mind as you think so you become some of you are addicted some of you are struggling some of you are broken and it's because your mind is filled with lies satan has had his way with you he has convinced you that you are a mistake that you're not good enough that you can never be good enough that your life can never be different the power of god is here right now though and he wants to come into your life he wants you to invite him into your heart he'll come in and redeem and and set free your mind give you new thoughts give you a new foundation a new mind the bible says and it's there that you become a new person and as you become a new person the outside will begin to change as well but everything is dependent on you saying yes to Jesus so you're receiving that gift so nobody's looking around right now it's just me and, and and those few other people in the front of those campuses and it's you and God and here's the thing about following God following God is simply one step after another of obedience of saying yes And the way we say yes to God at Journey Church when you need a relationship with Jesus is I'm going to ask you in a second if that's you. And without thinking about it, without worrying about the person to your right or left, you know something is happening. You know the spirit of God is drawing you to himself. And today you need to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. The Bible says to forgive your sins and the promise of eternal life right now. That's what you need to say yes to. You don't have everything else figured out. You can't figure out tomorrow or the next day. But this moment right here, this is a gift from God. Don't walk away from it. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel ridicule. Don't feel fear. The Bible says when God's presence shows up, fear runs out the door, and He's here right now all over our houses. So here's what I want you to do, friends. They're going to let me know at our other campuses if that's you, and we're going to pray together. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to make you pray a long religious prayer. In fact, I'm not going to pray a long prayer. We're simply going to say, here we are, Jesus. I'm receiving the gift of salvation today. Come into my life, set me free. Become my Father, the Father that never leaves me nor forsakes me if that's you all over our houses from side to side front to back and you say hey that's me I felt like an accident I felt condemned I've lived my life with shame I felt broken I don't want to live this life anymore today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ quickly would you just begin to shoot your hand straight up in the air so that I know that I'm praying with you as we close I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ right now right here in Phoenix so I'm going to give my life I see hands 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 right here yes I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ I'm not an accident I'm not an accident I believe what you said. I believe what you said. Is there anybody else at our other campuses right now, in Limerick right now? I believe there's people in Limerick. Is somebody in Plymouth meeting. Let's clap for that person. How about Montgomeryville? Hey, I felt like an accident. I felt like a mistake. But today I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. In For today I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ right now. I'm not an accident. I'm not an accident. I know that God created me, that he took joy in making me. If you're in Limerick right now, you just begin to shoot your hand straight in the air. Hey, there's somebody in Montgomeryville. There's somebody in Plymouth Meeting. There's somebody in Limerick. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to give you one more second. Just one more second. Maybe you missed that first chance. You say, you know what? You know what? I'm still praying. I can still feel the presence of God drawing me. And right now, I want to give my life to him. I want to step into a relationship with him. I missed that first moment. And I, maybe I've been here for many, many weeks. And I've let fear hold me back. And I've let doubt hold me back. And I've let worry hold me back. But today, I'm going to let go of all those. And I'm going to grab fully a hold of the plan and purposes that God has for me. Is there anybody else who say, hey, Pastor, that's me. I see one more hand right here. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, would you begin just to keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed? Would you just begin to stand as we, we pray together all over our houses? Just continue to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And we're just gonna pray. And as we pray, maybe you've never prayed before, but just like Jesus taught, just a simple prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's just simple words. Forgive my sins, Jesus, and set me free. I've tried to live life on my own, But today, I give you everything that I am, my past, my present, and my future. Jesus, would you take a hold of me? Jesus, would you come in in a real way? Lord, would you give me confidence where I've been insecure? Lord, would you give me strength where I've been weak? Lord, would you give me peace where I have felt hopeless, Lord? Lord, would you bring joy into my life where I have felt depressed? And Lord, there's freedom here today. Lord, there's freedom. There's somebody leaving this place, and they, are, they can't even explain it right now. But Lord, as they prayed, the bondage of their past, the, the, the bitterness of their past, the brokenness of their past, Lord, it's staying here right now. And scripture says that they are becoming a brand new creation. They have a new heart. Lord, they have a new mind. Lord, they're going to begin to see things differently. Their words are going to, be, going to begin to be different. Lord, their future is looking different, Lord, because of what they've done in this moment. A very real life-changing decision. Lord, as we're here right now, Lord, all over this house, we're going to go back into a time of worship. And Lord, we're going to lift our hands. And we're going to thank you, Lord, for these powerful words. We're going to sing it with our whole heart. Lord, this is what everything is built on. God, after, at the end of the day, God, you are, you are compassionate and gracious. You are slow to anger. God, thank you for that. And God, I can't believe how much love you have for us. And so, Lord, we're going to worship you and we're going to thank you for all that you have done in Jesus' name. We pray. Hey, one more time, church, let's clap an A and say Amen together.